Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about getting past your past. We discuss why it's important to express our regrets and move through our grief so that we can both learn from our past and create a new future by making better decisions now. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome back. It is so great to be sitting down here with uh, Scott and Sarah as we talk about this episode. And this episode is titled, When We Can't Get Past Our Past. And this is about overcoming regret. And so, um, Scott, why don't you lead off for us um, in regards to, sometimes it just helps for us to have a definition of what regret is. So can you just talk a little bit about, um, as we talk about overcoming regret, how does it show up? And uh, kind of in your experience, what is regret like? Well, the way that I would define regret is it's a form of grief mm-hmm. when there's something that that's why I like the title when we can't get past our past there's something in the past either I did or that I did not do or it's tied to what I felt like the man I should have been or how I should have lived my life the mistakes I've made the flaws and weaknesses I have mm-hmm. and I think that you get to this place where you can't let go. And there's a shame attached to it for me. And I think it really, over the holidays, it can bring that up, especially if you're in a difficult place in your life mm-hmm. and you're looking at, how did I get here? I'm here because of what I'm not or what I did or mm-hmm. what I didn't do. Um, and um, what, I was thinking about that, you know, that there's, th- Thompson talks about in his book, Anatomy of the Soul, that that God's constantly always trying to get us to pay attention to what we should be and pay attention to. Mm. I think a lot of regret is tied to I should have paid attention mm. to certain aspects of my life or things mm. that did. And when I was thinking about it, because I was experiencing this for myself, sure. of kind of where I'm at in my life right now, I really regret how I, and it goes all the way back to my childhood. I mm. wish I would have developed differently this way. I mm. wish it. I would have learned this better mm. then. Um, wish I had these attributes mm. I would have paid more attention to. Um, because you see how it all gets connected. You can yeah. be in your 60s and you see, gosh, the things I did when I was 16 yeah. are affecting me now. Mm. Um, and you just see kind of... So when we can't get past our past, I really think what I found was there was two forms of grief. Mm. There's, there's the grief when we had something that we loved dearly that was such a wonderful experience of our life. And then that goes away. We lose that. Mm. Such either someone dies or we move on from a career or something. Our children grow up and move away. You know, it's wonderful memories and we're grieving this wonderful time. Mm. But I have found that that grief, I seem to think, can be healed easier. Mm. Um, And I don't know if there is such a thing as easy grief. but, But the second grief that I was experiencing was... I was grieving my past that I could not get past mm. of my what I regretted, um, and there was a deep shame attached mm. to it, and I just could not seem to get past that place um, where my normal grief work was not really affecting it. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah. So, but but anyway, I was reading um, in Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Dr. Victor Frankl. Mm. And he, he had these two phrases. I, I know I've mentioned one. One is provisional existence. Mm. And he says that the most difficult mental state that they found 
for the the Jewish prisoners in the German concentration camps was this provisional existence. And that's where they saw nothing to look forward to. Mm. And Frankel talks about the way that the, our brains are created, our minds, we're forward thinking. Mm. We need to have something to live for, mm. to keep striving for, looking forward to. And when the prisoners did not see anything, mm. just suffering and suffering that had no meaning, yeah. they just, it was like the will to live just was, mm. just left them. Mm. And they would, they'd either get sick and die or they just died. Wow. But he says they just basically they gave up on, on, on living. And he talked about this meaning to live. Mm. And so what I've kind of felt that I was experiencing, and I saw it with a lot of other people that I was doing grief work with, was this, this, I, this grief that I could not get past mm. of where I was in blaming myself mm. and holding myself um, accountable and just a deep shame attached to it. Um, and I was finding it hard to find something to look forward to, mm. to live for, mm. um, because I could not get past my past. Wow. And that's, as you say that, I can feel that because I would imagine... Out of all the episodes, this one probably hits the hardest. For it's so common, so and I think it's different for what we what we grieve, what we regret. But we all have them, and we don't. Sometimes it's hard just to even admit that you do have them, and it, you feel like if you admit it, maybe you'll get stuck in it or whatever else. So I'm I'm really glad that that, that we're talking about this because this is this is a big one, and I know that a lot of people coming out of um, as we record this, we're moving into a new year. And as you think about a new year, it's hard not to want to um, fix the past. And that comes from the shame and judgment. So that's really powerful. Right. Especially, you know, shame is definitive. It's, it's so judgmental. And as we talked about before, it's the loudest voice. Mm. So it's absolutely true, Scott, that you're never going to be smart enough. The mistakes you've made are permanent mm. because they're inherently flawed in you. And there's just how do you get past that mm. when you see it contributing to the place that you are suffering at now. Wow. It's a tough, that's a tough form of grieving. Yeah. And that's probably where despair would creep in in, in regards to... It is despair. That yeah. would be the definition. Mm. That's that's the word. And that's actually what uh, Frankl talked about. There's a hopelessness to it. Mm. There's no hope. I'm never going to be different. Mm. I'm never going to be smart enough. I'm never, you know, again. Wow. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Sarah? Mm -hmm. Well, I think to, it's true. The regret is something, I don't think you can get through life without it. Mm -hmm. um, when I was, you know, getting ready for this uh, podcast, looking at the list of things that people can regret, it means it's, it's everything, mm -hmm. right? And um, even the smallest things, like, um, like for years, and I don't think my husband would mind me sharing this, but he, he didn't finish college. Mm -hmm. And for years he would tell me, like, I, I regret not just sticking it out, you know. But I think the lesson in that is that regret has a lot to do with our priorities at the time mm. that something happens or a or the choice that we make. Right. And life is a learning process. So very often, like when I look back on my 20s and I think about the regrets I have about the decisions I made in my 20s, well, I also have grace and mercy for the fact that I didn't have my priorities straight. Right. I didn't know what was important. Right. I couldn't see the long game. You mm. know, I was I was too young mm. uh, to understand that. And so, 
I think there is and can be a lot of grace and mercy for those decisions that we make when sometimes we don't have the big picture. Mm. Um, And I think we're just always as humans trying to figure out what is most important. And we live in a world, though, that's always pulling us away from those priorities. And so when you see the, you know, the common list of things people regret, well, it usually has to do with, I didn't spend enough time with the people I love. You know, I didn't do work that was meaningful. Um, I didn't take chances. I didn't follow my dreams. Mm. Um, And uh, I think that is, these are choices that are made in the moment of sometimes when you're just being pulled into the world and the construct of what's important in the world's view. Mm. But a lot of times I think what you see when people start shifting those priorities is you are shifting back to a more spiritual um, uh, viewpoint. Yeah. When you start looking at, well, relationships are important. Yeah. Um, connections important. Mm. Um, doing meaningful things in the world's important. Um, you're, you are kind of shifting back to a spiritual view, even if people don't realize that's what they're doing. Mm. Um, so I think regret, even though it's hard, um, can be also tempered by some grace for the fact that we're learning yeah. as we go along. Sure. Hopefully we're yeah. learning as we go along. Um, you know, it, it is hard sometimes when we make the same mistake again, sure. but, uh, but still always an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Even if we make the same mistake again. Yeah. There was a um, spiritual teacher named Ram Das that talked about life as curriculum. And that was his whole approach was like, you know, if you treat it in that moment where even the past, you can look at it and be like, okay, so if I can remove the judgment of myself from it, what are some of the lessons here that can come from it? But it's a tricky territory. And I, um, from my own personal experience, you know, and I've, I've, I've felt this with other people that have, that have come up to Nashville for music or something like that. And for whatever reason, either didn't work or they quote unquote, didn't make it, which is a funny word in and of itself. Like, did you make it or not make it? But I would always um, have a conversation after I kind of stopped doing it. And it was such a, it was such a, a sensitive area for me. If someone were to ask, well, why did you move up to Nashville? You know, and I'd be like, well, I wanted to be a singer songwriter. Like, well, what happened? And I was like, well, instead of, instead of really being honest with myself and saying there were a lot of things that I wasn't enjoying about it, you know, I let that performance, that need to be successful, um, to stand out, all, all that egoic, you know, kind of mindset dominate me. And, um, and it still triggers me at times. What I'm realizing is it's not even about the actions in the past. It's like you, I'm so glad you brought up priorities. My priorities are different now. I was 24 when I moved up here. I had ideas of what that was going to look like. And, and so now I feel different. So you almost have to get, forgive the past version of yourself because you aren't, you know, even the fact that you have the awareness to look back and see that part of yourself. That's such a huge step because you probably didn't have it in the past. So I would imagine a big step of it is to forgive that past version of yourself and show lots of grace to that version. Well, I really believe what you guys are saying is, is the only antidote is grace. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the word that you guys used is what I am finding is, and that's forgiveness. Mm. Um, I keep reading more and more about the need for self-compassion, mm. self-gentleness, um, and extending that and accepting that grace. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's impossible to get further along in life, like Sarah said, and not have regrets. Mm. But if shame is attached to it, mm. and that shame becomes toxic, and it's deeply ingrained. Um, it, it it takes a process that's yeah. um, going to need to be paid attention to on a daily basis. Mm. Affirmation. Mm. Um, 
I got this new journal where you daily you it's like three parts: gratitudes, mm. affirmations, and then just feelings. And so it's like paying attention to those mm. on a daily basis. It's almost it goes back to what we've talked about too before about building new neural pathways. Yeah, I mean, if I keep ruminating. Um, one of the things that Franco said I thought was so important was that um, people who get stuck in that that place, that provisional existence, mm. um, their whole life becomes retrospective. They, wow. They're not living towards the future anymore. Mm. Um, and I think that's what I think regret and shame have the ability to do. They just keep us mm. in a retrospective mm-hmm. place, and you can't live there. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say regret I think is much like uh, fear if you are constantly focused on it feeding like it yeah. feeding mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. you will actually end up in the mm-hmm. situation that you fear wow <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like attracts re- it yeah, yeah regrets the same way mm-hmm. if you get stuck in regret and you cannot stop thinking about the past uh, you're not fully present and you're not fully present you're going to make decisions in the present yeah. that actually end up causing you more regret. Mm. So it's one of those things that just goes around and around. And I mm. think at some point you have to just say, and I think we talked about this, um, you know, I, I was talking about this in the grief and loss episode um, about ritual and how, you know, my counselor made me go back to the place where yeah. I had met my daughter's um, father. Mm. And um, that's what that exercise was about was just to, to come to terms with it mm. and go, this is what has happened. Now I have to go. I have to move on. Like, mm. I, I could regret this for the rest of my mm. life, yeah. but what's the point? Yeah. Like, it's not going to change it. Mm. Um, it's over. It's done. I got to go. So I think that's, and now that's sometimes easier said than done, depending sure. on what you're talking about. Yeah. Certainly sometimes we've made decisions in life that are really have huge consequences sure. for our lives. And those are different. I mean, those are hard, harder, I think, to right. get past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I wanted to say, I do think too, there's this sort of difference between sometimes we regret things that I think maybe we even shouldn't, because I think there's two kinds of shoulds. Yes. There's that idea of like, I, I should have done be- better as a parent, for mm-hmm. example. Okay. That's, that could be true. Yeah. Or there's the should as like you were referring to this sort of construct in the world of success. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have yeah. been a successful songwriter. I right. should have written a book. I should have started a business. I should have done this. Sometimes I think those are just shoulds we put on ourselves yes. that honestly don't really have anything to do with our purpose and meaning. And mm. at the end of the day, maybe that isn't should. That wasn't mm. what we should have been doing. Um, I think this idea that we're supposed to make this big splash in the world and that what we leave behind has to be this gigantic legacy of yes. something. Yes, and that's we, a very Western, yes, very Western mindset that's that's it's that's drilled into our heads from social media, and because we all participate in it, even though we don't want to say like, "Here's our great Christmas photo." You should have seen ten minutes earlier, though, when we were all at each other's throats. But for this picture, we look all happy. But ten minutes earlier and ten minutes after, it was not good. So. It is that, and I, I, yeah. I, that's what I came to terms with, was not did I make it or did I not make it. It's why did that matter so much to me in the first place, right. and that's why the inquiry process uh, is so helpful to, whether it's a journal or in a small group, to talk this out, because 
as you mentioned, Sarah, in, in your notes here, sometimes it's something that we can't even control. Like there are certain things that we made decisions on, but it reminds me of um, I just lost my great uncle and my mom was telling me that the daughter um, was just having such a hard time because the way he passed away, it was kind of a, a situation where that he was having some health issues, but they didn't really know exactly what was going on. And then he kind of passed away suddenly. And so she's filled with regret. Like, I wish I could have been there. And so instead of just being able to grieve and the loss of her father, there's this self-judgment. And, her, and my mom was like, listen, you, there's nothing you could have done. But if that's not, if there's no one around you mm-hmm. that's saying, hey, Sarah, no, 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 like that's not your responsibility. That isolation period of, that's why it gets so dangerous to isolate is because you do get in your mind to say, no, I should have been there and this is my fault somehow. So um, can you talk a bit about how, you know, sometimes if we don't uh, examine it um, or, or even bring it into a group setting, how some of these things can, uh, we can take responsibility for things that we have no control over. Well, I mean, it's it's perspective. Yeah. You know, and we know that our perspectives can be flawed mm. if we're isolated and alone. Mm. Um, that's where close relationships, such as a group, give us a perspective, uh, which helps us see things differently. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I have what I what I have found is that and I don't know if this sounds simplistic, but that if I believe in my 60s I can grow and become a better human being, that I can even learn from those mistakes or places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's interesting, the systemic part of our society, which you guys are t- talking about, is like this greatness and achievement and what we should have, mm-hmm. what we should be. I, I found I have to let that go yeah. and find that... that there's a spiritual realm for me mm. of the that the, to be the, a better human being and to learn from my mm. past. That's how I'm finding I get past my past. Yes, is I allow God to use it. I learn from it, and I grow. In mm. any kind of growth, I don't know. It's just growth seems to motivate us. Growth mm. fills us with a sense of hope mm. and a forward thinking. Mm. Um, and I've seen people in their 80s make changes in their lives and find a reason to keep moving forward. Mm. But that's, again, if we're isolated and we're shame-based and we have these deep regrets, mm. it's really hard to get past our past. And and then we form these strong, deeply ingrained neural pathways of what we believe in and are saying to ourselves. That narrative, I'll tell you, that is not easy work because that narrative no. comes so easy to yes. me. Yes. Um, whenever I do something that reminds me of, well, you guess you're still the way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so. Yeah, and I, I'm so glad you made that pivot because you've said this, and I have quoted you, I can't tell you how many times in the past few months, there is no change without spirituality. And I, I just think that I spent so much time, and maybe a lot of the listeners have, where you're reading the books, you're doing all this kind of stuff, but when it's that self-help, you're the judge, jury, and executor. And when and you know, it's almost like when you're looking at your past, who's looking? And is there any other it's uh Byron Katie says it's a godless, loveless state when you're there. And I was like, that is a beautiful word because we all have these paradigms, we have these things that we get so tucked away and so isolated in our minds that there's no investigation, there's no love for it. And so, you know, when you were saying that, the the spiritual process is an entirely new way of seeing, and it's an entirely new way of seeing everything. 
Right. And the, the word that has emerged for me is reframing, mm. you know, and that, and so I have this goal now daily. I'm reframing uh, my brain mm. um, and God and I are at work and, and close people to me where there's compassion mm. and empathy and gentleness. Mm. I'm able to learn from my past and mm. actually use it mm. to grow. And who says you can't change mm. at any stage of life? Mm. And, I, and to me, that fills a person with a sense of hope. Yeah. But but despair comes from when that voice of shame says, "Well, you know, this is who you are. This mm. is what you were. This mm. is what you're not." And you're paying the consequences. It's like you're you're just almost expecting punishment based off of your past. And I think Sarah, you said it best. And I want to kind of come back to that is the, the the power of presence and the power of being um, present and, and allowing yourself to grieve it as maybe even the, the lack of grief, maybe what continues to keep the attachment to the resentment instead of just being like, man, this really does bother me. Let me grieve this, mm-hmm. uh, whether in a small group setting or whatever else. So can you talk about uh, kind of how that alleviates and, and kind of allows us to be in the present moment where we can start working when these, when these triggers come up or someone asks us a question about, Oh, well, you know, if you've been married before, whatever else, whatever that trigger is, um, talk about how that grief process helps get you back to the present moment where you can start making some different decisions. Yes. I, well, I think you you have to, we've talked about this several times, is, uh, you know, you, you do have to walk back into the past mm. and experience that and grieve it and not be afraid of that. Um, but also, again, grace and mercy for what you didn't know. Mm. It's like you, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And so there's so many times I think we can say to ourselves, like, how did I not know that sooner? How did mm. I not figure that out sooner? Mm. Or, you know, why am I in my 40s? And just uh, that just now occurred to me. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, when you do kind of look at the Zen teachers, that's that's what they're saying is you just have to let it be. Mm. It is what it is, mm. you know, and that's not to say we're not responsible or accountable for our lives because we are. But, um, you know, if if we are trying to learn from our mistakes and if we are trying to move forward, mm. um, we have to also just let some of that go as part of what mm. we were learning mm. um, at the time. And um, yeah, and I, I think if again, if we resist it, um, or in some ways I do think we can sort of become attached in a way, unhealthy way to regret. Um, it is that sort of ruminating, uh, living in the past, sometimes in almost a romantic, uh, idealistic way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we don't, we just don't want to get stuck there. I think you have to go to the past, you have to process, you have to figure out why, you know, why was I making those decisions at that time? Um, and then once you figure that out, you got to leave it there. You got to mm. move forward mm. um, and give yourself some grace and mercy for making mistakes again, because you will mm. <laughs> sometimes similar as we've said before. But um, but you're you're learning all the while. So mm. it's almost like the intention. What's the intention as you before you visit the past? What is your intention to go back right. there? Because mm. anybody that specifically me, I'm not even going to speak for other people for myself when I'm doing, when I'm not doing well, when I'm not present is, is when I'm back there. It's like when I'm back there, I'm hanging out. And, um, I used to say, it's like the difference between, um, you know, filling potholes in the past and then paving new roads. Like you can just fill potholes all day long, but, but all you've done is just essentially made the road smooth. There's nothing new. So I think there is that balance of being like, I'm, I'm moving in with the intentionality to go into the past and learn. And then so I can come out and live here 
and start making different decisions. And Scott, you were talking about uh, Man's Search for Meaning and what a powerful book that was. Um, what do you think the heart of it was for Frankel that w- allowed him to uh, move from that provisional existence? Because he was in the concentration camp. So it wasn't like he was looking out from afar, like writing and observing, like he was in it. So what about that book? Uh, and what, what about his paradigm um, did he find helpful being in the middle of one of the most, uh, the worst travesties in the history of the world? He found a, it was in a spiritual answer mm. that that no matter what a man's circumstances, you have the power to choose mm. your your response. Um, and he, so as he says, you know, we stop asking life what we expect of it, but what could life be asking of us even in this moment? And he found a, that there were very few mm. who still use this time to serve others, to mm. be there in their suffering, mm. to care for others, to be... Uh, well, most of them just quit. Mm. They, they gave up on life. Um, those he, but he said those who found a spiritual place where they, that they could still grow in this, learn from this, and be useful in this, no matter what lied ahead, mm. um, those were the ones who mentally and physically were, were well mm. uh, and, and had the strength to survive. Mm. And But the others who looked at it like, it's over, I have nothing to live for, mm. there's no meaning to this, those were the ones that really faded. Wow. And it, what's funny you say that is because I don't know, the book was written obviously a long time ago, and yet, you know, a few months ago, we were recording um, um, something for Restore here that we had, and I would encourage everybody to go and check it on the website where people give testimonies of what it's been like to go through Restore small groups. And what's so beautiful about watching those videos is the integration of the past. It's this happened to me, and now I've created this. I had breast cancer, and now I have a nonprofit dedicated to this or whatever else. And so it can be, not only can you not get past it, but can actually be integrated into your new identity to say, this was a part of my life and here I am today. It was the worst thing that happened to me and now I'm here serving others who have gone through the same thing. It's beautiful. Well, I think what Sarah made a, a very, very strong point. Mm. And that is, you know, they say that unresolved grief, the person is has the inability to be present mm. in the in, in today and mm. in this place. And so what I think Franco found is that if I can find a meaning, even in this suffering, I can be fully present in my life. This is my life right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I'm in this concentration camp, and, and this is, and I'm not going to look past this. Mm-hmm. How can I serve and be, and live my life well here, mm-hmm. in this? And I think that what I'm finding that I struggle with is when I st- fall back into regret, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm not. I can't resolve the grief of the mistakes I've made or weaknesses I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to be present in today. Um, and and so that is the paradigm shift that just I'm finding I have to I have to have there's a meaning for everything that has happened in my life. Wow. And if I can look for ways to use it for good and to grow, that I don't know, it just fills me with a hope. Wow. And there's something about being present, there's a hope in the moment. Mm. Because it's the only you realize there the past is gone essentially. Like by by arriving here now, you know you realize that it is that attachment, that thinking going back that's taking you from it. So that's a that's a very powerful place and to be. If you've had to learn something the hard way, which we all all have, <laughs> yeah, um, you know there is some there is beauty in being able to say to somebody else, not that you're 
like not that any of my experiences are exactly somebody else's right. experiences, but certainly I can use what I know to say to someone else, listen, I, I had to do this the hard way. Don't, yeah, exactly. don't do this the hard way. Yes. You know, I'm going to tell you what I learned, yeah. um, or what I wish I had known. Mm. Um, I, you know, even with my own kids and they know the story of, of my pregnancy when I was in college and having my daughter and, you know, we were always very honest with that, but I mm. used it as a tool yeah. to say to them, mm. this is, I'm telling you now, like wow. you don't want to have to go through this. Mm. So make your choices wisely. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, if we, if we can use that instead of hiding, I could have not told my children right. very easily. Sure. They could have not known. And so if I had hid that from them, I think in many ways it probably would have done actually more harm. Mm. Um, in the long run, they would have wondered why mm. I wasn't honest, why I didn't share that with them. So in some ways when you bring your regrets out into the light, uh, then they become helpful, yes. you know, instead yes. of becoming this thing that just consumes you yeah. um, or the secret family secrets are the worst. Yes. And by the way, family secrets have a way of reemerging, yes. even if you don't even try. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, to, that's a way to redeem the mistakes that we have wow. made. Um, to, to try to just say to someone else, I would like your life to be a little bit easier. Yeah. I don't want you to have to. to That's beautiful. That. And even thinking, Scott, about you said this in a previous podcast where you look at your past and it, it's an easy trigger to move into shame. But if you think about the fact that we're sitting at this table having this conversation, it, it wouldn't have been without the past because of the books that you've written and the people that you've helped. So, um, I think it's just a, it ends up being a beautiful thing when you can find meaning. I, I want to reiterate that because that was a big shift for me was, can I find meaning here versus just judgment and maybe some education was there meaning and can that meaning be transferred to me being in this moment now and making different decisions? Cause if it can, now I have a, a different paradigm of the past because now it's this useful tool instead of this graveyard of places I don't want to go back to. It's like, no, these I've got some nuggets. I've dealt with it. Now I've got these really useful nuggets to say, if I make different decisions and don't react the same way and can really, you know, bring God and some compassion to this, then I know that the results will be different because it is a cause and effect kind of relationship. So I'm really glad you said that because finding that meaning is really important. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I always find that verse in Proverbs to be so valuable. Mm. Um, and it means something different to me now than it used to. Without a vision, the people mm. will perish. Vision is forward thinking. Mm. I'm, I'm looking. So if I can look at my past mm. and have a vision of how there's a meaning that I'm going to learn from it and actually use it like Sarah was talking about, mm. um, it, it brings me fully present and I'm and I find it the catalyst for that is grace, mm. um, and that's that's to me that's the message of grace. Yeah, let's look at that. Mm. Let's look at that. What can we learn from that mm. and get better? Yes. Versus shame on you. Yes. You should have done better. You should have done different. Mm. You'll never get over that. Mm. And that takes us into a dark place, mm. especially when. Again, it's that isolation versus community. I mean, it's a lot easier. You're going to go into that dark place if it's just you. you it's really hard yeah. to unlearn that. But when you're in a group and you have other people that are supporting you and pouring into you that also have that grace embedded in it, 
that's where the magic is. So I want to um, talk real quick as we close out about, um, you guys mentioned here, Daniel Pink. I mean, you guys are so well-read and so well-educated that I want to cover some of the the, um, the educational side of it that is helpful. So let's talk about um, Daniel Pink had a world regret survey, and he came up with four main areas of regret. So, um, Sarah, do you want to walk through these? And then we can also kind of close out with some common regrets. I do think it helps to take some of this and then um, give us a little bit of analysis to say, which are any of these regrets coming up for me? Where would that fall? Mm-hmm. And then it just sometimes it helps to frame it a little bit. So can you talk about those four regrets or sure. four areas? Yeah. So Daniel Pink wrote a book actually fairly recently about how to turn regret into something that was positive. Mm. And uh, this world regret survey is still going on. So if anybody wants to contribute, you mm. can go online and you can still tell your story it's really fascinating. He's gotten thousands and thousands of responses. Um, he basically, for the book, he wanted to know what what do people regret? Yeah. Like, was kind of the overall, you know, the themes mm-hmm. of people's regret. So these were the four that emerged, which is fascinating because they're kind of really what you would expect. Yeah. And the the first one is foundational which is at your core, the failure to be responsible um, for your life, mm. whether it was you didn't get your education, you didn't manage your finances, your health isn't isn't what you want it to be. Mm. So just kind of foundational points of our lives that we regret. Mm. Um, the second is boldness, basically the chances you didn't take in life. Uh, moral, which is more for what he found is more people regretting not having done the right thing or Mm. not taking the high road, Mm. basically taking the easy way, the low road. Mm. Um, and then connection, which I think is, uh, is the most obvious one is the failure to, uh, live into the relationships that we should. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I think what's in a way comforting about it is, again, as we're talking about regret is universal. And I think by looking at that survey, you realize there's people all over the world yeah. who are, and that's, the, again, the power of group. It's yeah. like you're sitting, you realize I'm not the only person yeah. who's done something or failed to do something uh, that I now go, well, shoot, I missed it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I should yeah. have done that. Um and, and just know that there's these kind of universal human themes yep. of how every day we're <laughs> mucking it up, but yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, and I, I do want to, uh, as I was reading this out, because I've, um, I've been re-listening to Byron Katie's The Work, you know, and she talks about kind of the inquiry process of, is this thought that I'm holding, is it even true, right? Mm. And as I'm looking at this, she was interviewing this guy, and he was just like, I want money to make me secure and she was like hopeless. And he was like, what do you mean? She, he was like, you know, banks fail. People, they, they, they hurt contracts. They're not honest. So like that, so all that to say is like, as you're going through these four, right? So sometimes the boldness, the chance is not taken. If you do take those chances, sometimes that leads to not being able to provide a foundation, right? But sometimes you provide the foundation at that. So there is no, I don't think there is a way out in regards mm-hmm. to not having some area of your life, which goes back to the initial part of priorities, because I do believe that, you know, sometimes the past, when I went through a really difficult year this past year, the one thing I keep saying is it crystallized my priorities. It crystallized my values because what hurt the most was where my values were. 
And I think that allowed me to say, okay, wow, now I'm going to start making different decisions. And you talk about this often, Scott, with living with integrity. Isn't that just saying this is who I was and now in this moment I'm going to be more, you know, mind, body, spirit, you know, who I believe myself to really be. And I just think that's such a, a powerful paradigm shift to to move into that, to say this is going to give me an opportunity to redefine some priorities because maybe I value being too bold and it hurt me financially, or maybe I didn't take enough risk. So you're able to kind of navigate and find that true self that's past all of this anyways. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's easy to judge, but there is, you can't win. Like you said earlier, there is no way out where there's not going to be some regret. So um, we can move out of it. And there are some common regrets and it may be best to kind of add these in the show notes because there's a lot, but um, you know, you know, quitting smoking or I'm sorry, quitting school or not doing more, working too much, not saving enough money. I mean, how many can raise our hands immediately on that? And, um, and so much, it's such an easier situation when we're moving through this um, with a group environment too. So um, do you guys want to talk and close out just a little bit about um, how being in this, in this kind of group environment that you guys have designed, how does it help uh, us um, when we when we really struggle with not being able to get past our past. Yeah. Well, I do want to add one more thing and yeah. talking about these um, universal regrets, and that is sometimes too we think in the moment we are making the the right decision. Right. Um, I think that's also what's really tricky yeah. about life is um, sometimes we've waited all out yeah. and said, "I think this is the right choice." I've I've you know, myself and I've known other people who, for example, took a job and moved out of state mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and, uh, thought they took their dream job or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, and you know, or got married to someone and they thought that was the person yeah. and it just does not yeah. pan out the way that you think it's going to. Um, and sometimes those choices really throw us sure. and put us in an existential crisis yeah. because, because we thought we waited out. Yeah. We thought we were putting the priorities in the right place. Mm. So sometimes I think those decisions, when they go wrong, can can kind of spiritually throw us off sure. more than any other, mm. because we start to go, well, I don't if if I thought I was making the right decision and I didn't, uh, then how do I have any judgment at all right. about my priorities? Yeah. Um, so I, again, I always come back. And this is always my common theme of like grace and mercy for all things, yeah. because uh, again, all of that's a learning experience, um, but. I would say, you know, so sometimes I would say, um, you know, your priorities probably might be in the right place yeah. and you're still going to end up with regrets. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, sure. So, you know, we just all have to hang in there. It's that Western drive to be perfect. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, to have the perfect life and to have the finances, but also a little bit of risk. But I want, you know, my wife to be this way, the kids to be this way, but also want to have a lot of free time, play golf. It's like you list out the things you realize you can't do them all. Hence the reason why we continue to go back to priorities and values. It's just a huge question to ask for yourself. Scott, is there anything you want to, what's helped you, I guess, maybe in, in, in through um, being a part of this uh, ministry, you know, how have you seen it help people um, being able to get past their past and maybe with your own personal experience? Being in group, working on grief, you know, going back to the fundamentals that the National Grief Institute uh, advocates to resolve um, grief, and that is um, communicating whatever you wish would have been better, Mm. different, or more. Mm. And until that is completely communicated, we are going to remain stuck. And so in these groups, I've noticed this year, especially since COVID, Mm. that there's this 
increased in this form of grief tied to the mistakes I've made or what I should have done. And those, I'm looking at those four, foundational, boldness, moral connection. Um, you know, I've, a lot of my past that I can't get past is tied to regrets I have of mistakes I made in all four of those. Mm. And so I've had to come to this place where I can give myself the space, the mm. grace and mercy to forgive myself for what I wish I would have been better at, mm. what I wish I would have done different, and what I wish I would have done more of. Mm. And the group gives me the human beings, the emp empathetic listeners mm. who can hear that from me. And that's, um, that's how we heal. Wow. Um, and I really think that it, it is a spiritual process. Mm. Grace is just um, believing that I belong to something greater than just myself. Yeah. And it's good. It's mm. loving. And it would want me to grow and to learn. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I just saw a documentary about Ram Dass mm. at the end of his life. Mm. I don't know if anyone has seen that. But is it, what, what is the title of it? Oh, now I'm Is it Becoming Nobody? Or I can't remember. I don't know. I, I think I may have seen the same one, but it, it's a powerful documentary. Yeah, it's literally about, you know, very close to the end of his life. Yeah. Um, about his his own struggle. He had a stroke. and, and, mm -hmm. and But one of the most powerful lines, I think, in the documentary is he said, the first part of my life was power, 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 power. And then the last part of my life was love, 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 love. Wow. And, um, and he points to like, it was a definitive moment in his life where he realized like power is not it. Wow. It's all love. Mm. And so I think that's just the lesson for all of us. Mm. You know, we we're the point is we have to learn it, right? Mm. The point isn't, did we screw up and, you know, make decisions that yeah. were, but the point is, did we get to the love, 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 love mm. part? And I think that's, that's just what we have to remember. Mm. That's what we're, that's what we're after. Mm. That's beautiful because it's like, it, it, it then infuses, it goes back to that intention or the values or like the one thing that, that most of what infuses our past decisions was power. If we're not, if it's not investigated and that's where you can really forgive yourself to be like, Oh my gosh, I was really wanting to be a songwriter, not because I love music. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to be, no, I want to be. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel so, so much empathy for that version of myself just to not have that internally. And then when you start to feel it internally, it's just massive compassion because you just start to, that, I'm so glad you closed with that because that's such a beautiful way to look at it. It really is because ultimately the antidote is love. Yes. And if, if all that stuff that I regret that I didn't do or that I did, if that can propel me mm. into a future of loving better mm. and, and embracing, that's, that to me is the spiritual antidote that Frankel found. Mm. He found a way to be loving and to serve with love mm. in a place where it was just the worst you can imagine. Mm. And so... That's beautiful. Well, guys, thank you so much. And if you're out there and you know you're 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 breathing, then you have regret. So it's like you're you, we all we all found ourselves within this episode, and we'll make sure and list the common regrets and also the link to Daniel Pink's uh, World Regret Survey. But um, as we always say in close, you're not alone, and you don't have to move through this stuff alone. It's actually really difficult and isolating to do so. And um, so check out any of the upcoming groups we have. Uh, we would love to have you apart. We love you. You're not alone. And we will talk to you soon. Take care. 
Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.